0: Life presents various issues with a multitude of solutions. Having issues is easy, getting to the solutions is hard. If you're up for a good challenge, stay tuned and welcome to Qualified Issues. Welcome, I'm Carissa Galloway. I'm a licensed professional counselor in this great state of Texas. This is episode six called Choices in Action of Season One, which is all about change. Have you ever heard the phrase, actions speak louder than words? I did. I heard that my entire childhood, and it was an important reminder that I can say whatever I want, but if I'm not going to have any actionable follow through, My words don't really matter. You can think about your choices all day long, but they amount to nothing until that choice becomes an action. Beware of action without thought, as this kind of impulsive behavior can bring you and others negative consequences and outcomes. So here we are at the action stage of the trans-theoretical model of change. Let's review a little bit. We have stage one, which is pre-contemplation. So this is a stage where you don't really see that you have any issues, um, you're not really recognizing things. This is like pre-focus, pre-self-awareness. Stage two is contemplation where you are you have self-awareness, you have some balance and control over your focus, and you're using those things to identify issues and needed changes. Stage three is preparation and this is what we talked about the last podcast. This is where you're gathering knowledge um, related to the change you want to make, the issue that you feel that you have in your life. Um, you're also gathering materials and support items or support people. So let's, let's remember as we move into the action stage here, let's remember that it is very important to do a cost-benefit analysis and a risk assessment. Don't forget that risk, like we talked about in the self-awareness podcast, that risk is, at times, I want to be very specific, at times necessary in order for us to be more self-aware, to learn more about ourselves, other people, our environment. I would never, ever encourage or condone anybody to do to take a risk that is illegal, that is going to have a negative outcome for yourself or somebody else. So when we're talking about risk assessment, we're talking about, well, if we go to the oral care example, um, I need to get a new toothbrush and I have X amount of money. And even though this super fancy toothbrush is the one that I, I really want I also know that it would be risky for me financially to go and buy that. So you want to kind of weigh the pros and cons, again, cost-benefit analysis, and this includes your relationships. Not everybody, unfortunately, will be supportive of the change that you're making. Depending on the change that you're making, some people may leave your life. There's one of two reasons for this. Either there is something that you're doing wrong or they're not the person you thought they were. And this is where we would go into like boundaries and uh, sort of the term misery loves company. That is something to be aware of because if somebody's sort of down in their hole of misery, they don't like being down there by themselves. So often they will try to bring people down with them. So if you're making a change that they probably need to make in their life, and you're not willing to be stuck in that place with them, those that's a good example of somebody who might leave your life. So this is, again, part of doing this risk assessment, cost-benefit analysis. Um, another question you want to ask yourself is, are you prepared for these challenges and hurdles? And I know I touched on this in an earlier podcast, but if you don't feel you are prepared for those Go back to the preparation stage, maybe even contemplation stage. You probably have more to think about. You may need to rethink, um, possibly recreate goals and steps. Um, if you do feel you're ready for the challenges and hurdles, then you're good to go. You're good to go. Uh, the next item that I wanted to talk about here is accountability. I don't know very many people who like that word, accountability. Um, what we're talking about here is You are the only one responsible for the effect or outcome because you are the only one responsible for making the choice. This is related to locus of control, okay, internal versus external. Remember, internal locus of control is you recognize that you are a living human being in the world and that what you say and do matters. It makes a difference and that what you say and do has outcomes f- and effects for yourself and other people. And those outcomes could be consequences, those outcomes could be rewards. Uh, external locus of control is where we're pushing more towards it's somebody else's fault that this happened. Okay, so um, when we're talking about accountability, though, this is where we want to focus more on internal locus of control. Okay, the phrase, no one put a gun to your head, comes to mind. I've heard that before where I uh, in my you know adolescence as most of us do made a bad decision and I wanted my parents to make up for that and what do I hear nobody put a gun to your head you made this choice on your own therefore you have to suffer the consequences so that you can learn not to make that choice again um, a really good metaphor for accountability and I just I came up with this I don't know if it's going to necessarily um, uh, be under, understandable, but surgery for a broken arm. Okay. Surgery is painful, but if you choose not to get it, your arm will always be broken. As an adult, this would be your choice. Therefore, you are the only one to blame if your arm remains broken because you chose not to have surgery. Okay. So that is that adult with the broken arm having to be accountable for choosing whether or not to have surgery for that arm. Now, of course, there's the possibility of mitigating factors. These are not the same things as excuses, okay? Um, Merriam-Webster Dictionary at merriam-webster.com, merriam-webster.com. The definition for an excuse is defined as an action, a verb. It's, quote, to try to remove blame from, unquote, okay? And mitigating factors might include uncontrollable circumstances, There are some things that are out of our control. Um, So if you're trying to make a change and you wanna go back to school and maybe the school shuts down, that's out of your control, okay? So you might have to readjust your your steps to reach your goal of higher education, for example, okay? It is also important to make sure that you are self-aware and focused when it comes to accountability. You have to know your level of accountability. Do you take responsibility for your choices, your actions? How well can you focus on the task at hand? Can you recognize when you are or need to take ownership of your choices and actions? This goes back to the phrase, not my problem. Is this something that you are responsible for, that you need to be accountable for? Or does that belong to somebody else? Does that responsibility and accountability belong to somebody else? If the answer is yes, then you can at least think the phrase, not my problem. Okay, so let's move into taking the first step. For some people, this is a very anxious or scary thing to do. Um, But I want to go bring back in the idea of the importance of internal locus of control and self-efficacy. It's very, very important in taking the first step. With those two things you know several things. One, you exist in the world. Two, the chosen change must happen. If you want that benefit, the chosen change must happen. Three, you are responsible for creating that change, for making it happen. Uh, And number four, you know you can accomplish the smaller steps to reach the larger goal. So again, if you're not um, in the know about, you know, internal locus of control and self-efficacy, I really encourage you to go back to the beginning of the season one um, about change and just start uh, listening to the episodes in order. There is, I want to say it was um, uh, number three or four, I believe, that talked about internal locus of control and self-efficacy. In taking the first step, we also want to be able to overcome nervousness, anxiety, fear. So this is where we go into kind of some therapeutic tools Uh, Again, if any of you have been to therapy, you've probably heard these before. Um, The first one is slow, deep breathing. And I'm not going to go into the specifics of these tools right now. Um, The second one is grounding, uh, mindfulness, meditation, reminding yourself of why you're making this change, and making sure you're leaning on your supports. Okay, Leaning on the supports is like using crutches until you're strong enough to walk on your own. Everybody needs help sometimes. Remember, when we're making a change, we're basically creating a new habit. So again, focus here is really important. Repetition is helpful in forming new habits that lead to long-term change. So when it's time for you to go to the next step, you really want to use that focus to to hone in on what it is you need to do when you need to do it. Um, And don't forget what neuroplasticity is. This is sort of our motivational reminder that change is possible. Uh, PsychologyToday.com, this was a staff article with no date, uh, the titles Neuroplasticity. And the definition of neuroplasticity is: quote, the ability for the brain to adapt or change over time by creating new neurons and building new networks, end quote. Again, a good reminder that change is possible. Another article related to um, habit building. This is also psychologytoday.com by Dr. Eileen Berzane in February 2020, titled Six Powerful Ways to Build New Habits. Uh, The doctor talks about building awareness, -awareness. self-awareness. Number two, making choices. What I would say about that is we have to choose each day to act in a way that reflects the change we want. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, be the change you want to see that includes being the change you want to see in you, in your life. Okay. The article says, quote, attach a new habit or behavior to something you do regularly. So if you already listen to music or um, listen to a podcast for like half an hour to an hour in the morning, and your goal is to lose weight, maybe listen to that while you're on a treadmill running or while you're going for a walk. So attaching a new habit or behavior to something you already do regularly. Um, I would also include with this, be mindful of why you're making the change. Again, reminding yourself, focusing on that motivational reason why that, that change was chosen by you. The article also says, quote, start with a simple plan. So if you go back to the last podcast, we talked about goal setting. And I would remind everybody to use SMART goals. specific measurable, achievable, relevant, time-bound. And two, when it comes to goal setting, when it comes to creating a simple plan, make sure that you go back to the preparation stage. You might need to go and look at, okay, this is what I've thought of in contemplation stage. What else might I need to do in order to achieve the steps to reach that goal? And the final thing the doctor says in this article is, quote, remember the, quote, why, unquote, unquote. I don't know if I should, should do that, but remember the why. And I've talked about this before. Um, the why of pretty much everything is why I decided to become a therapist. When we're changing something in our lives, whether it's internal or external, we want to remember why we're doing it, okay? So for habits, generally... We say two to four weeks to form a new habit or get rid of an old one. So patience, you have to be patient. Patience is a virtue. You are not superhuman. You are not perfect. No one is. Okay? Secondly, don't give up. You may need to constantly remind yourself of the why behind your choice to make the change. You may need someone else to remind you as well. Number three, don't catastrophize setbacks. Catastrophic thinking can be a huge barrier. Um, if it does persist, lean on your supports. You might need therapy to help overcome this type of thinking, but don't let it slow you down or stop you. Um, catastrophic thinking is where something happens and you your brain immediately goes to the worst case scenario. I've found that particularly with clients with ADHD, this this happens. Often, and it happens very fast. So, do some research, and and I will go eventually into um, some CBT methods in a future podcast. But, catastrophic thinking is not going to be helpful. So, if you know that your brain tends to go there, maybe in the preparation stage where you have ways to get over barriers and hurdles and everything, maybe do a little research and figure out what's going to work for you to challenge that catastrophic thinking. Remember, too, you are only human. Everyone makes mistakes. Everyone makes bad choices. It's important to differentiate between those two. A mistake is not something you necessarily choose to do. Um, so let's say that you're learning how to type, you, you know, and you, you don't really have all the, the skills that you need for it yet, and you make a mistake. Okay, that's, that's something that's not intentional. Okay, a bad choice is something you chose to do, where the outcome would most likely be negative and you at least had an idea that it probably wasn't a good idea. So, but remember, everyone makes mistakes. Everyone makes bad choices. Okay? Now I want to move on really quick to um, talking about challenging your own thinking. This is along the lines of cognitive behavioral therapy and I like to bring in the ABCDE model. The ABCDE model is an acronym. A is for activating event. B is for beliefs about that event. C is for consequences of your beliefs about that event. D is disputing irrational beliefs. And E is the effects of disputing those rational, um, sorry, irrational beliefs. So the example that I have here is someone does not return your text message within five minutes. So the activating event is your text is not returned. The beliefs about that event, and we're going to bring on an irrational um, belief, um, it means that person does not like you anymore. Sometimes that that is the case, but most of the time that's not the case. Um, The consequences of your beliefs about that event most likely are going to be negative feelings, negative self-talk, negative thoughts about other people, possibly the world. When you are disputing that irrational belief, you want to challenge your original belief with other possibilities. Their phone could be off. Maybe they're in a meeting Maybe they had an emergency or another pressing issue. And hopefully the effects of disputing the irrational belief is that you would experience less negative thinking and have more open and positive thinking. So now I am going to provide just different kinds of thinking that can be problematic when you're trying to reach a goal. Um, This comes from Carol Vivian. It's from a series of worksheets. I cannot find it online anymore um, I believe the copyright was like 2009 to 2013. So they're a little older, but they have a wealth of information and it's laid out in a very easy to understand format. So I'm just going to go over these briefly. The first type of thinking that she has on her worksheet is called mental filter. This relates to perspective, rumination, hyper focus, and that you can only think about or see the negative aspects and you tend to push away anything positive. Uh, the second type of thinking is judgments. Uh, it says, quote, making evaluations or judgments about events, ourselves, others, or the world, rather than describing what we actually see and have evidence for, Unquote. The third one is mind reading. Basically, this boils down to um, uh, thinking off of assumptions. Okay, go back to miriam-webster.com. The definition of of assume is, quote, to take as granted or true, end quote. Um, uh, the fourth one is emotional reasoning. This is where you're allowing your feelings to dictate your reasoning instead of factual information informing your reasoning. So again, you're having emotional thoughts, uh, or I should say emotional reasoning, instead of fact-based reasoning. And especially when you're setting goals, making a change, trying to keep yourself motivated through that change, you definitely want to go off factual reasoning. So maybe you're a little tired, you're just feeling a little bummed out maybe, but our facts can tell us we're still physically able to do whatever the task is at hand. The next kind of thinking is prediction, basically being a fortune teller unless you have a supernatural gift, chances are you cannot see into the future. The reason this kind of thinking prediction is dangerous is because you might be in a bad mood, you know, and and then you might start ruminating and then you're going to predict, well, I'm not going to be able to do this anyway. So I'm just going to stop. So try to stay away from prediction. Okay. Uh, The next one is mountains and molehills. It says, quote, exaggerating the risk of danger or the negatives, minimizing the odds of how things are most likely to turn out, or minimizing the positives, unquote. Maximizing and minimizing mountains and molehills. These are not things that you want to do. Again, go back to the idea of using what you know, your factual information. The next type of thinking is compare and despair. Despair. She describes this as, quote, seeing only the good and positive aspects in others and comparing ourselves negatively against them, unquote. Everybody has this example in their lives. It's called social media. I have had countless number of clients who come in and say, you know, I, my life is not going as good as it should. And when I ask them what evidence they have for this, it's usually a friend or a family member on Facebook. Um, on back in the day, MySpace, um, on Twitter, on one of the social media apps, and so we have to talk about. Okay, we are kind of doing the compare and despair thing. I don't always use those exact words, but um, you're you have to remember that when you go on to those sites, people typically don't put up their most lousy day, right? They're going to put up something that's going to make their life look absolutely spectacular. So please, please, please do not use social media to inform how good or bad your own life is going. All right, the next one is something we already touched on, which is catastrophizing. She says, quote, imagining and believing that the worst possible thing will happen, unquote. There is a relationship here to past experience, especially trauma. And again, if you've had any trauma I really encourage you, go seek a mental health professional out for some therapeutic guidance working through that. If you don't have trauma, though, and you're dealing mostly with past experiences, so maybe you've tried this change before and it didn't work, instead of catastrophizing it, please go back to the preparation stage. And remember how we talked about looking at how we can get past um, barriers and hurdles, catastrophizing is one of those hurdles. So d- please don't allow your past experience or past results to determine uh, whether or not you think you're going to be able to do this. Okay? We don't want it to determine our self-efficacy. All right. The next one is called critical self. It uh, boils down to consistent negative self-talk. I'm so stupid. I'm so dumb. Um, I'm not accomplished. I'm not uh, successful. I never will be. These are all really negative ways to view yourself, and these are not going to help you reach your goals. The next kind of thinking is black and white thinking. There are no gray areas. Everything is black or, or, or white, and this is problematic for reaching goals because let's say that you get sick, okay, and you kind of have that monkey wrench thrown into the the goal machinery. Okay. Don't allow this to deter you from continuing on. Right. So I, I went to the gym for a period of time. And after about six months, I ended up with the flu and I stopped going. I stopped going. And then a couple months later, I'm like, why did I do that? I, I could have just jumped back in the saddle and kept going. So don't let the black and white thinking, I either do it or I don't do it. I'm consistent with it or I'm not consistent with it. And then it doesn't get done. You can kind of see how all these, you know, kind of meld together to create a really huge um, cognitive barrier for you. Um, All right, there's two more. The next one is the shoulds and musts. Basically, you're putting demands and or pressure on yourself to meet, quote, unrealistic expectations, unquote. Go back to the SMART goals, okay? The word achievable in the acronym for SMART. You should really set yourself up to be successful by creating realistic expectations. Look at your schedule. Look at your lifestyle. Look at your daily environment. Maybe there's little things that you could change there that would make what seems to be an unrealistic expectation more realistic. Um. But overall, you want to take, you know, what you do have to do every day and take that into account when you're setting goals, when you're creating a flexible schedule, so that you're more likely to reach your goals. Uh, The last kind of thinking here is memories, and this boils down to past trauma triggers. Make sure you are defining a past event correctly. You might want to go back to, um, I think it was the self-awareness podcast, the episode Two or three, where I talked about differentiating between trauma, drama, and issues. So make sure that you're using your wise mind, your reasoning mind, to think factually and rationally about past events. Otherwise, those past events could feed into a lot of this kind of um, sort of negative, maladaptive thinking that we just talked about. And those are going to make it really hard for you to reach your goals. So, There's ways to challenge this type of thinking. And again, in a future podcast, probably go way more in depth with this. But for now, this is a very general idea of how to challenge these negative and maladaptive type of of thoughts. Um, It is important. It's important to challenge and question your own thinking. For example, where did that thought come from? Where did I learn to think this way? Is this how I want to think? I would even add, is this helpful? Is the way I'm thinking right now helpful, beneficial to me, and maybe even other people? Um, How do my beliefs, perspective, past um, past experiences influence my thinking? Am I being overly positive or overly negative? So you can kind of hear a good balance. Self-awareness plays a huge part in being able to challenge and question your own thinking. And again, we want to do those things so that If our thinking is creating a barrier or a hurdle, that we're able to get over it. Um, If you find that these and maybe other tools are not helping combat this kind of thinking, um, it might be worth it to get some help. Um, True trauma can make it near or actually impossible to stop negative or maladaptive thinking. It is important to get help from a mental health professional if you find that you cannot get past the event and the effects of the event. So. To wrap up here, I want to say a couple things. Take the change one day at a time. If that's too overwhelming, take the change one hour at a time. Just like breaking larger goals down into smaller steps, you may find it less overwhelming to break each day down into more manageable time periods. And the last thing I'd say is reward yourself. If you go back to, I touched on it very briefly, the idea of self-care. You are worthy of good things. You are a valuable person and you are worthy of good things. When you are taking on a challenging change, it is important to reward yourself for completing each step and goal. For example, if you are trying to lose weight and you have lost the first five pounds, reward yourself with a new book, board game, art kit, etc., you want something that is not going to go against your overall goal, but is also something you will enjoy and that will motivate you to keep going. So please, I encourage you, if you if this is the first podcast that you've heard and you're confused about terms like self-awareness, um, internal locus of control, self-efficacy, all these things, I really encourage you to go back to the very first podcast and just start listening straight through so that you can get the gist of the the, the pathway that we're taking here to reach goals and to make those changes. So thank you so much for joining me. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at for the love of therapy at gmail.com. That's for the love of therapy at gmail.com. Please remember that a podcast is never a good substitution for therapy with a mental health professional. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave me a comment, um, rate, review, share. Um, Again, this is Chris Galloway with Qualified Issues. I hope you will join me next time.